Welcome back to Cigar Talk. I'm your host, Rob Jones. This week's episode is a special interview we recorded this last week at TPE 22 in Las Vegas, Nevada. We had a great time out there. We met a lot of people, had a great time, and we'll be giving these interviews to you guys Every so often, we'll spread them out through the episodes. This week's episode has Michael Herkelotz from Furio Tego. And let me tell you what, this guy's making some fantastic cigars. I had the pleasure of smoking one during the interview. We'll get to that here in a bit. Don't go anywhere. We're going to talk about our sponsors right quick. We've got The Leaf. If you want the experience, drop by The Leaf at 1166 North 2nd in Abilene, Texas. And if you need some cigars, call them up. They'll ship them to you anywhere. Next is going to be Tabanero Cigars, which also was my cigar of the year. Look down the show notes. You can go by a site and order up some Tabanero. If you haven't tried them yet, it's the boutiques of the boutiques. Then we have the one and only McAuliffe Cigars. The guys have supported us forever. We love their products. We love the team. We love the owner. If you haven't smoked McAuliffe cigars yet, make sure you check them out. We'll have a link in the show notes. And then finally, but not least, is Case Elegance. We love these guys. They make great products, ones that you're going to buy and be proud of, and they get the job done. So look down the show notes and go by and check out what Case Elegance has for you. Anyway, guys, we're going to get right to it. Here comes Michael Herkelotz right after a quick little break. Hey, guys. Thanks for hanging to the break. We have a special guest. We're here at TPE 22. We've got Michael Herkelotz. Did I say that right? Yes, sir. Michael Herkelotz. That's impressive that I can say that. Well done. most names poof, blow them out of the water. Tell me about this cigar you brought me, man. Man, you are smoking the uh, Timeless Sterling. I've got the Timeless Panamericana. Um, the Sterling is made in Dominican. Um, the blend we developed, uh, it must have been 2014 or so. Um, it was a blend formerly sold by Nat Sherman International, which is uh, where I worked for the last nine years before starting Ferriotego. But Sterling for me is just, it's a really special blend. Pull you that get, up a little bit so I can get yeah. oh, How's that? There you go. Hey, how you doing? You're good. Check. Um, Sterling is, uh, it's a very special blend. It has so much body and presence, but it's so elegant and creamy and, and uh, refreshing, you know? I love that. I You know, it hasn't been that long since I really got into the creamy essence of lighter cigars you know everybody goes down the road i came back around and now this is like what i really look forward to smoking it's it's all dominican the interesting thing about that blend is um we do use a little bit of lajero in the blend so top of the plant but it's very old lajero and so when you take strong tobacco and you put 10 years on it it preserves um this kind of character and structure, but it removes the ferocity. It's like it softens it. Yeah. Uh, and so that's really, I think, kind of the, the hallmark characteristic of Sterling. Um, boxes of 10. It's not inexpensive, um, but I think it tops out around $15, if I oh, recall. Oh, that's not bad. Um, but it's really it's a hell of a good blend. And then I'm smoking the Timeless Panamericana, um, similar in price. 
made in Nicaragua with the Placencia family. And this is a fun blend. This um, is Nicaragua and Costa Rica filler, uh, Nicaragua binder, Ecuador, Sumatra wrapper. And this one wow. I, I worked on a long time. Um, back in the 90s, uh, actually late 90s, early 2000s, there was um, a very famous brand called Bahia. And it was made by this guy, Don Douglas Porringer in Costa Rica. And those cigars at that, you know, I'm sure it's a bit like time and place, moment in time kind of thing. But, I mean, those cigars still uh, resonate in my memory as being something so unique. Flavor, er everything about it was just special. Um, and then they went away. And so I really, I wanted to see if I could recreate the flavor and experience that I had in my memory. And so that's ultimately what, and, what this and, became. And were you successful? Does that bring back? No idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, the, just everything you named that's in it, yeah. that's a party. It's I mean, a, dude, how did you, like, that's a lot to bring together in one cigar and make it work. Yeah. And this is, you know, there's a couple of different ways to blend. One is um, you take a product that exists and you just start tweaking it. You take it in a new direction. So you take that cigar and you take the wrapper off and you put something else on you see what happens. And then you change a filler and then you see what happens but this blend we actually just did on paper from scratch looked at a bunch of different tobaccos and said okay this might work let's try this and generally they suck immediately really oh yeah terrible um and this was no different so, so that's why it's easier to start with something you start with something it. you start with something and then you disrupt it and then you fix it with this case actually with sterling too funny enough um both these blends were written on paper, submitted to be made, and then tweaked from there. Um, but I really wanted Nicaragua and Costa Rica together because that's what this blend was from back in the it day. It sounds amazing because we know what Nicaragua is, we know what Costa Rica is, and it's not like those are two opposite types of tobaccos. So when you put those together, you get a really unique experience. I think Costa Rica... I mean, I've had pure Costa Rican. I don't particularly like it. Um, but used thoughtfully in a blend, uh, like Costa Rica, it's very kind of salty almost. So you almost use it, at least I do, like salt. You don't want to oversalt your food because then it's salty. Right. But a touch of salt creates saliva and makes everything taste better. That's kind of the role Costa Rican plays, at least in... I got gotcha. you. That makes my sense. That makes sense. And so let me ask you this. This is a question that I have that I've never asked a professional. Well, you're not you're not this time either, but you can ask me. <laughs> so I can't stand cigars that when I put them in my mouth and I'm smoking them within like 10 minutes, my palate is dry. So yeah. dry. What what leaf causes that? Lots of different leaves, but that is a overwhelming dominant characteristic of some specific tobaccos um, where it is just astringent and and more importantly it's not what it's impacting it's what it's not impacting and it's not impacting the sides of your palate which is where you typically receive salty sour acid which is what stimulates saliva so for whatever reason I would consider that blend off balance because you can have Mild blends, strong blends, creamy blends, light-bodied blends, but you need to still have balance 
on your palate, which means some participation of saliva, right? Um, but for example, there's a there's a tobacco from the DR um, called Olor, very famous Dominican seed that is incredibly drying, like, obviously drying. Um, th- but there's some tobaccos from Nicaragua, Honduras, and and uh, that's why it's very important when you're blending. If you don't have familiarity with each tobacco first, you've got to taste them pure first. Okay. It's it's what I consider a, a it's a character exploration. So you can't you can't just write a movie if you don't develop your characters first, right? And not that you would necessarily see that in the movie, but the actor knows more about their story so they can play the role better, right? Right. right. Um, which I always think is interesting when you see interviews with with actors and they're asked about their character and they can answer about things that never happened in the movie like you know i mean I've, as if they're that person exactly right and so you it for me the same principle applies with leaves you have to get to know each one of those characters intimately by themselves you have to know how they burn where they impact what they taste like is your mouth dry is your mouth wet you identify the full suite of characteristics of that tobacco and then you taste another one and then you taste another one so when you develop a story you understand who's the lead who's background who's you know where's the music what's the set each tobacco plays their own role it's you have to be very intentional about the role that they play absolutely that was a long answer no, that to say that you had a dry <laughs> mouth <but. laughs> so you know i thought it was like limited to connecticut and it's not it is I, not but I, you are right, Connecticut, especially true Connecticut, that wrapper is also a bit bitter and astringent. And so Connecticut-wrapped cigars benefit from having other tobaccos to counter the drying effect of the wrapper. I appreciate that long-ass answer. <laughs> and it explains And that's all stuff. the time we have today. So <laughs> Gotta go, that's guys. Great. So, no. so let me ask you this. What made you want to do Timeless? What, what made you go, you know what, I want to do this? Well, at the time, um, it's when I joined Nat Sherman International. And um, Nat Sherman at that time was, was having a bit, of a, um, a bit of a crisis with their cigar business. It had gotten um, tired. It, it had been discounted. Um, and the Sherman family really wanted to breathe new life into the cigar business. Um, so they brought me over. I was at Davidoff before. And uh, and we just started from scratch and and talking to the family and really trying to understand the at that time the the Nat Sherman story you know it was just this idea of timelessness just kept coming back and coming back into the story at the time it was you know eighty years old as a brand and, and yet still as relevant that day as it was in nineteen thirty so there was just this idea of timelessness um, and so we created timeless to really kind of pivot away from the old Nat Sherman and start a new chapter. Um, and Timeless Prestige um, was really what that was the first blend I did when I joined. It was the first sort of, uh, you know, flag in the ground of, of starting this new chapter. And then from there, we did um, uh, Timeless. Uh, it was called Timeless Dominican, Timeless Nicaragua were the two. But in 2018, we actually did a full kind of rebrand reorganization of all the cigars that we had made under Nat Sherman and created more uh, 
proper organized brand families for these different blends to live. Um, and so we, we basically consolidated. So Sterling, for example, what you're smoking was called Nat Sherman Sterling. In 2018, we, we put it under this timeless umbrella. Um, so actually, I mean, if you, if you go back and look at, um, videos from like 2018 trade shows, you know, it was a lot of explaining this, this new, sort of categorization of uh, brands and blends and what's what. Um, But now fast forward, um, we had the opportunity when Nat Sherman closed, uh, we formed a company and then we're able to acquire the brands and and continue the work. Um, And so now it's interesting. Timeless was the first blend and, and, and brand that I did under Nat Sherman to help really kind of get Nat Sherman back on its feet at that time. Now here we are 10 years later and it's timeless again that's helping me get back on my feet with Ferio Tego. But this time, um, this time I, I, I get to claim the work. Right. You know? It was almost like I was telling someone the other day, it was almost like I, uh, I was a ghostwriter. You know, I had all these great blends and projects and brands out there, but they always had another name on it. And no problem. That was my job. You know, I was very right, proud right, to do right, it. Right. But it's cool now. To be able to author the work. And now it's yours. Yes. But you worked on it in the beginning. They so, were, I mean, it was yours then, yes. but you were doing it for somebody else. That's right. And so let me ask you this, though. Like, with Nat Sherman's history, I mean, one of the richest histories that we have in the industry, were you a little bit sad when they closed the doors in oh, New York? Devastated. Man, dude. Yeah. But but um, the pictures on your well, let me tell everybody right quick. Okay, if you want to take a walk through memory lane, go to his Instagram account because it goes way back. And I bet I spent forty five minutes going through your page, just the history you captured while you were on that journey. Yeah, loved it. The pictures inside Nat Sherman, timeless. Yeah, that. Um Closing was not plan A. Plan A was selling the company. And we made a lot of progress. And it was a done deal, to be honest with you. Uh, and then COVID hit, and that just disrupted our ability, disrupted everyone's ability to do whatever they were planning on doing, right? right? Um, but we thought we were still able to uh, to do a deal, and we kept working, kept working. It ultimately just, every time we tried, it just kept falling apart, and we had to um, close. So we, I think we announced in uh, July of 2020 that we were closed, that we didn't successfully sell, we were closing. And then we ultimately closed uh, end of October, I think. Um, yeah, it was a shockwave through yeah. the whole industry. It it, uh, it sucked. It, it sucked. But it, it wasn't because of anything we did. That would have sucked more. Right. Right. So if, if no one bought, wanted to buy our cigars anymore and we had to go out of business, that's a problem. That, yeah. if, if we were so poor in service and retail that no one wanted to come in our store and we had to close, that would be a problem. That wasn't the case. We were at the top of our game and shit happens. Shit happens. And, you know, it is Pandemic what it is. Pandemic is an ass kicker. I'll tell you, it's, I, I joked early on that, that ultimately it was a COVID death. It really it was. And being in New York, it was not the same as it was for us in Texas. <laughs> no. I mean... We no. our, our cigar shop never closed. 
You yeah. know what I mean? Now, we weren't able to come in and sit down, but we were able to get cigars all no. the time. In New York, you guys no. shut down. It was, it was absolutely shut down. In fact, if you, if you go back to my uh, Instagram, there is, I think I saved it in stories. There's a whole bunch of stuff of, of COVID New York City. Okay. I drove from Harlem to Times Square in one light cycle. I was the only car on Broadway for 50 blocks. Any people on the streets? Nothing. One bike delivery. It's one of the craziest videos. What was the movie? What was the movie with uh, Will Smith? And like New York is completely empty. Uh, God, I'm forgetting the name of the was movie. Was it the uh, Independence Day? No. no what, what am I thinking of? You know what I'm talking about? I can't remember the name. Anyway, um, it it was it was insane. So there were there was just no there was no way to do business. There was nobody there. Um, so we were closed. God, we were closed four months. Lights wow. lights out. The bills don't stop. Bills don't stop. Right. Especially when you lease a building in Times Square, that bill keeps coming. Now, I have, I maybe you posted it since I went over all your stuff, but I didn't see the ending. I felt like I was watching a movie. Oh, the end's good. What, the building. What what's up with the building? Is it? It's there. It was a lease, so um, the clock, clock is off the building. Where's that at? Uh, I'm assuming in a in a Alger archive somewhere. Yeah, they're actually. You know, I'll, I'll be honest. Um, Altria was the company that owned Nat Sherman, still owns Nat Sherman. Um, this wasn't their plan A either. You know, they really have a tremendous amount of respect and admiration and reverence for the history and the culture and, and our side of the business. It's just not core to their business. And so that's why they decided to exit. But they didn't want to close the store and, and shut down the, the cigar company. That's why we had the opportunity to sell, to allow it to live on. Um, it just, you know, the ultimately circumstances way outside of anyone's control prohibited that from happening. Um, but now fast forward, that also gave us a great opportunity, right? I mean, when one door closes, another opens and, uh, and we certainly opened this door wide and ran right in. Kicked it open. We kicked, we kicked it open. Or the, the doors came off the hinges. We, yeah. Um, but what a great opportunity. And again, I mean, Altria was so thoughtful and and um, enthusiastic when we did approach them and say, can we can we form a company and just buy the brands? That wasn't contemplated before. They were not going to sell the brands. It was we sell the company or we just hold the brands and that's they it. They had to be happy, though, that it was you. Absolutely. You know was, what I mean? This is the only guy we would really want to do this with. That is exactly the way the conversation went. And what, a, what an incredible honor, you know? And... I can tell because here at TPE, you're set up in the same area as Davidoff. We're in their booth. So you have great relationships from what you formed decades ago. So I worked for Davidoff for nine years. I left to join Nat Sherman. Um, but David, so Davidoff bought Camacho, right? Way back. The Aeroa family, Christian and his father, made the uh, Metropolitan host for Nat Sherman since the 1990s. When Davidoff bought Camacho, they also acquired that relationship and Nat Sherman kept it at Davidoff. Uh, So that agro-industrious factory that makes Camacho today is the factory that makes 
Nat Sherman, uh, what well, made Nat Sherman host, now the Metropolitan host. So when I got to Nat Sherman, the first call I made was to my Davidoff people saying, hey, by the way, I'm learning what's happening and I see that you're making host and obviously we're going to keep host there. And so we went from working for Davidoff for nine years to now working with Davidoff for another nine years um, as they continue to make that blend for us. And then fast forward after all of um, the the acquisition of of the brands back with Ferry Otego, we were in regular touch with all our manufacturing partners, kind of keeping them up to date with what we were doing. And Davidoff team said, well, how are you going to go to market? And we said, we have absolutely no idea. We're still figuring <laughs> that out. And they said, well, let's consider a distribution agreement. And we were looking at some other fulfillment options too. And so we engaged with them and it was crystal clear this was a, a great opportunity and uh, and so we announced that I guess in end of April May that they are our distributor in the U.S. And so I mean how incredible man I mean you know we we launched in October and immediately we had a national sales force going into stores talking about our products and away we go so we're what a fifteen months now fifteen weeks now in market and you're killing it and we're yeah over I mean I know you don't want to say that stores. but you're killing it. Man, we are, um, yeah, we're doing great. We are doing great. I'm happy to hear that. I love, especially after taking the time to go back through your page, I love great stories. You're living a great story. It's a great story, man. And I'm I'm lucky, and I have a great partner <clears throat> in this business, the former CFO of Nat Sherman, Brendan. Um you know, we 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 worked closely together building the business. We worked closely together trying to sell the business. We worked closely together closing the business, um, and so now we get to work closely together to build a business that's ours. And uh, and it's just uh, it's an awesome opportunity. It's been a it's been a tremendous amount of work from everybody from Davidoff and their people, the Casada family, Placencia family, Cigar Rings, Action Label, uh, Humidif Group. You know, we got what? What's your favorite part of the business? I mean, what 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 drives you? I mean, I, I know you're one of those guys that you're driven to be successful, no matter what you're doing. Yeah, that's not it. I, I know, so that's why I'm saying I don't want to hear that answer. No, man, I, I want to. I have a degree in drums. I know. Right? So, and where from? Berkeley College. Music. Boom. Yes. Yeah. So all I wanted to do was play music, right? Why? Well, because playing drums is my favorite thing to do. So if I can make a living at it, that sounds like a good idea. When I got to college, I started enjoying cigars, and it turns out enjoying cigars was some of my favorite things to do, <laughs> right? And so being being an artist, you're passionate about something, you like something. If you can make a living at it, great. And so that's what I did. But I find that... Um, the cigar world and the music world are very similar in that, number one, it is different every day, right? Um, you are sharing a moment with somebody that is meaningful that you can repeat, but it will never be the same. Right. Right? Impossible. You can play the same song every night, but it's never the same. Something is different, right? Uh, th- those types of, of just inimitable moments um music cigars whatever it is it's just such a it's such a 
a special thing, you know, when you can share it with someone. Now you add to that this idea of of creative, you know, when 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 you write a song, you write a song. When you record, you record. You try and make it the best that you can make it. Then it turns out people don't like it. You know, and that's that's a gut punch oh. when you work that hard. Oh, absolutely. And it's the same with this. Yes. You put everything into making something that you believe is the best you can do. And then people love it and they talk about it and they post about it. But then someone else lights it up and was like, well, this sucks. And moves on, you know? And you, and you see, you're that, like, that, that's whoa. all my work. Right. And But it didn't hit for you. And so we got to go back and write a new song, you know? But also you can't please everyone. Of course, there's so not. many palettes out there that you there's bet. some guys that are never going to like your cigars. Yeah, that's fine. But for I, me to it, answer your question, that's that's what I love about that's it. That's your drive. Yeah, it's it's every day is different. Uh, but I every day I am doing something that I'm genuinely passionate about, and the people I am doing it with are genuinely passionate. And if we can work together, and everybody achieves new levels of success. Everyone can feed their families because this store is selling my cigars and he's making money on that product. That's great. I'm helping him feed his family. The factories are growing in volume because he's buying more of my cigars. That's great because their families can eat. You know, that that type of just reciprocal support and, and camaraderie and admiration, um, I, what's better than that, you know? Last week, someone commented on my YouTube channel. Some wacko, I'm sure. <laughs> no. On YouTube? Yeah. And Can't be. She said, I hope they close all the cigar stores in America. Tobacco is evil, blah, blah, blah. And I, w- and I just responded, you know what? I agree that you have 100% freedom to say what you want. I appreciate that. I believe in freedom. But I also support the cigar industry because... You know what? It supports my local people here in town, and it supports these farmers that otherwise wouldn't have jobs. They have education now. They never did back in the day. They have, uh, what, health care now. Yeah. Blanket statements like that right. are just, they're clearly uninformed, you know? And, uh, I mean, let's face it, we, we see stuff like that in every industry, in any category. It's, you know, people feel brave. And they just post things like that. But the reality is, I mean, look, I didn't grow up in a in a cigar culture, you know. So when I when I gave my parents the good news that I got a job at a cigar shop, they're like, "What are you talking about?" You know. Um, but now, fast forward, my 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 family still doesn't smoke cigars, but through me, they You've have educated them. But they also have they have a different perception, not just of industry, but but what it can do. And I'll tell you, man. Like I did for years, I did a, a fundraiser for my birthday for my, uh, my hometown high school. And it was entirely built around cigars. Manufacturers would donate products. People would uh, pay for auction lots. It was just a birthday party. My last birthday party, we raised $88,000. For the school. For the school. Wow. All, all in, in 10 years, we raised about $450,000. But all cigar people, and they never been to my high school. They didn't know anyone there. But what did it take to raise $450,000 in 10 years? Just took a bunch of people who cared. Right. You know, that's it. That's all it ever takes. That's all you need to do is just care. And, and if you spend a little time 
learning about the business, learning about the people. Uh, doesn't matter if you smoke cigars. It it opens up your eyes and and perception to how something so simple, so obviously misunderstood, how special it is to the people who love it. So simple, but so complex. That's what we love about it. You, you know bet. what I mean? It's like you can you know once you think you have it figured out. Then you open one more door Boom. and realize, <laughs> Oh, I mean, look, man, I've done this. This is my 22nd year in the cigar business, and there is way more I don't know than stuff I do. And I've been lucky. I've spent, you know, countless hours and days in Dominican Republic and Nicaragua and Honduras at the side of greatness, Manolo Casada, the Placencias. I mean... Lito Gomez. I've spent hours and hours in fields and in factories and, and following curing and fermentation and aging and growing and soil and all this stuff. And I couldn't even begin to explain any of it with any level of expertise. You know, it's like I'm still in awe of every single step and process. And I'm lucky that. I had the good fortune to learn a little along the way, but man, these people are, are, they're magicians. Yeah. I mean, what they do really, how do you take a, a seed that is the size of smaller than the tip of a ballpoint and you grow that into a six foot plant in 12 weeks and then you take leaves from one plant, mix it with another plant. I mean, four years later, by how, the way, how? I don't even understand how tobacco evolved to where it is now. Like, think about when you go back before there were cigars, cigarettes, whatever. You know, in, indigenous people were using tobacco. Yeah. Who even thought of that? <laughs> you know what I mean? Hey, here's this plant. I'm going to rip this leaf off of it, and I'm going to smoke it. Or, and I'm going to stick it in this pipe. And right. I'm gonna, right. Dude, uh, you know, I've, I mean, I've read a bunch of books. You know who's actually got crazy knowledge about stuff like that is um nick melillo because he's done he's gone so deep on the history of of uh connecticut and what it means to to um the culture and everything and he he could probably spin off some rhymes with like actual answers real shit yeah real shit. <laughs> i can't even start i wouldn't even know where to start uh, well, you know the other thing i love and i know you experience it way more than i do but when you get like this nugget that opens your eyes of information and you're just like wow i never thought of that you I want mean, my you want one of my favorite ones love to hear it i landed in dominican republic it's got to be like oh four oh five lito gomez picked me up at the airport and we went straight to the farm and uh i had known lito for a long time and when i started smoking cigars in the in late 90s um la flor dominicana was probably the mildest cigar money could buy Really? Very, his El Jaco's. Uh, the strongest thing at that time was the 2000 series, which was a Cameroon wrapper, had a little, it had some body to it. But, you know, when you look at La Flor today, generally you don't think of it as mild, <laughs> no, creamy, and no. elegant. Um, and so at that time, when we were headed out there, he was really starting to roll out Lajero, Double Lajero, and, and those blends. And so driving through Cibao Valley, I'm like, Lito, like, I love your story and I love your cigars. And But how did you go? How do you go from being this really mellow, elegant cigar to being this 
monster in body? Like, how do you even achieve it if a leaf is a leaf and, you know, you're, you're still in the same place? How do you go from there to there? And we're, we're literally driving down the highway and he slams on the brakes and pulls over and he, there's a field right there. And he goes, that's how. I'm like, I'm not, I'm not tracking here, bro, you know. And he said, do you see that barn? I said, of course I see the barn. He goes, what do you see? Is this, is this a trick? I see a curing barn. He's like, right. What do you see? Like, I see tobacco. He's like, that's the problem. I'm like, okay, walk me through. In Dominican Republic, the traditional style of curing was done in open air um, uh, barns, basically. So you could kind of open and close the sides with, with thatching. But basically, you had posts, frame, and then you would suspend leaves in open air. And so because it's open air, the leaves would dry and cure relatively quickly and would not have the opportunity to really develop and get more mature and develop richness. Cuba, they typically cure in larger barns that are fully enclosed, which gives you more opportunity to elongate the process and allow those leaves to develop and become richer and fuller and more character. And then you can finish and dry. But once the leaf is dry, the color is fixed, and there really is not more opportunity to develop strength and flavor and richness once curing is complete and the leaf is dry. So Lido basically adopted the larger barn, Cuban-style, closed barn, elongated curing, and completely changed changed the face of his business. Wow. So, yeah. That but that's just, curing. That's that, literally just curing, and it, it makes that big of an impact. I thought it was all the plant. But it, well, it's the plant. It's the soil. It's the, it's the <laughs> it's you know, like, it's, it's all of it. All of it. But the simple change in curing, elongating the process, and allowing the leaves to develop is, I mean, how simple is that? And yet, you know, the entire country of Dominican Republic always did it this way until they didn't. And Dominican Republic has always been known for that lighter side of cigars. So that just blows you away that they're just like, all right, well, we're going to change this. Boom. It's heavy now. Yep. No, obviously, different seeds also result in, in different, uh, you know, strength, different different capacity for strength. Other growing techniques change, but curing of all things. And it's probably the process that we talk about the least, right? Everyone talks about aging. Sometimes, you know, someone learns something about fermentation, so they start talking about that for a while. Curing, we don't talk about that much, you know? It's not that exciting. Right. It's, it's one of the most important steps. And you know what's amazing to me about everything in the cigar industry is it's all not all but the key to me is the more people age things it becomes amazing which might be (laughs) timeless aging whether you're aging tobacco or you're aging people the process is the same you go from you know young and in your face to old elegant and graceful right People and tobacco, exact same. So, but there is a cost, right? Every year that you don't sell that, you are carrying that cost. The most expensive part of making anything is the time from raw material to cash. Then it comes down to investment. What's it worth? And are you willing to invest the time? And that's not just aging, that's curing, 
it deserves how long do you have to cure as long as it takes how long do you have to ferment as long as it takes and that could be a year that could be 16 months that could be 20 months you don't know until you start and then the question is are you willing to give it the time that it needs or do you need to generate cash and we have always worked with partners that uh subscribe to the first model which is you invest in the time it takes period and do you see a lot of that in the industry because we have more cigar companies than we've ever had yep how many companies rush that process a lot you know where i notice it on the retro hell retro is retro is important there's two places where where i think you can identify flaws um, the first is dry smoking before you fire it up. I know some people like to, you know, write paragraphs in their reviews about the merit of a dry, of their cold draw dry smoke. I will tell you from a manufacturing side, we don't care at all. Really, that's not our intent. We want you to fire it up, taste the smoke and enjoy it. The dry taste is a You're no not blending cons- for a dry. No, right. but the dry when you cold draw, that is a great opportunity to identify flaws. And you would get mustiness, moldiness, oh. um, mildew, any of those types of flavors and aromas before you fire it up. And ammonia is the other one. Ammonia. That's the one that kills me. I'm like, That is that's clearly rushed fermentation. And so I guess whenever you take the time to do it right, the scary part is... You're waiting all this time before you can make a product. What if it sucks at the end and you're like, dude, we just wasted four years. Bro. And, and how much money? It is crippling fear. Crippling fear. I mean. You th- stress about it? Endlessly. I mean, dude, we, <laughs> we spent all this time uh, getting Ferriotego ready. We had boxes made in Nicaragua. We had components coming from Spain and from China. We had uh, two different factories, one in Dominican, one in Nicaragua. So half the boxes had to go to Nicaragua. The other half we had to ship to Dominican. We had tobaccos from all over. You know, it was it was wow. It was crazy. Um, so yeah, man. I, all the I working stress. pieces that are nowhere near each other, and Having, all you can do is wait. And, and then and, see. in this day and age, and then inevitably. Someone posts, it sucks. It's not worth it. You know, it's too expensive. Well, <laughs> okay. You know, I disagree. Right. But okay. It is what it is. But I'm, listen. Hey, I think you're it's doing worth a great it. job. It is worth it. It's worth the time. It's worth the time in aging. It's worth the time in thoughtful development. It's worth the time in building relationships. It is worth the time to sit down and enjoy it. It's worth the time. I agree 100%. And I would love to keep this going but yeah. i know you got to get back i gotta go sell some of these things right 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 so <laughs> hey thank you so much yeah man appreciate thanks for having me we'll on this was again. awesome you do a great job i appreciate that and uh i really appreciate you taking time i know you're a busy man yeah i'd love to Good i'd love to come to back you. and do it again and thank you if you need anything from us let me know i'm grateful ferriotego come and find us thank you appreciate you